The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Down the Hall of Fame down the Hall of Fame Bets advocated to bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And don't forget to enter our Super Bowl 58 uh, props contest. Pick 58 Super Bowl props for a chance to win $1,000. Enter today for free at sportscampockets.com slash SB58 or in the SGPN app. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Friday morning, roughly 2 a.m. Eastern Time. And I'm your host, always Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the quarterfinals in Dallas and in Marseille. Now, I know some of you might be asking, but Scott, there are three tournaments. Why are you only covering two? And the reason is because of the weather in Argentina, as you ended up seeing a couple of matches, most of the matches from Cordoba get rained out on Thursday. So because of that, they are behind schedule. They might have to double up on some matches. So I'm not going to try to deal with that. Instead, we'll get into uh, Cordoba on a separate occasion. But the point is, for the sake of this episode, they were able to finish the matches in the round of 16 in Marseille and in Dallas. So we are going to cover those quarterfinals instead. But Cordoba, we're going to have to leave behind because unfortunately, they had some weather issues. And now they have to finish the previous round and maybe do some quarterfinal stuff as well on the same day. So we're not going to bother. But as for the announcement, before we actually get into the recap of the previous rounds and the lock and dog picks, do to remind everybody that we have merch on the SGPN merch store. So if you do want to get a Tennis Gambling Podcast hoodie or a mug or a t-shirt, then you know where to find it. It is on the uh, the app or on the merch store uh, for the SGPN website. But anyway, before we get into any of the actual previews for the quarterfinal matches, do want to actually recap our picks from the last couple episodes because we ended up having two separate episodes for Cordoba and for Dallas and Marseille. So we had two separate lock and dog picks for those episodes. So starting off with the lock for the uh, Cordoba episode, we had green first set minus one and a half games of minus 120 against Zapata Morales, and he ended up winning the first set comfortably. I believe he won the first set 6-1. We picked the right angle because Green fell apart after that. He had a couple of match points in the second set, choked it, and then got injured halfway through the third set as he ended up retiring. But since the first set was completed, we got a winner, so that ended up working out. Unfortunately, we had a heartbreak to uh, not end up getting the sweep as we had Navone on the money line at plus 120 against Baina, and he was up a break on two separate occasions in the third set, and he lost. So that ended up hurting quite a bit. I believe it closed at even money, so we beat some line movement there. Didn't matter, as Navone fell just a bit short. Coin flip match, we got plus 120, but it did not get there. As for the Dallas and Marseille episode, we won the lock once again, as we had Shevchenko on the money line at minus 135 as he beat Bonzi in straight sets. And unfortunately for the dog, we lost on some books, but we pushed on others. So we had Taro Daniel to win in straight sets against Les Tien at plus 170. The bet wasn't close, as Daniel ended up losing the first set before winning the match eventually. Uh, but the problem, or I should say the lucky break for some of you, was that Les Tien ended up retiring down 5 nothing in the third set. And some books, since the match was not fully completed, did end up voiding the Daniel bet. So even though the bet was dead to rights, some books voided it, some books did not. So that's why I have the interesting emojis down there. 
I don't know how to grade it. I'm going to grade it as a loss for me personally, but I do know that some people in the tennis discord on the SGPN discord server, if you're not in that, you should join free to join. But the point is some people did get pushes for that play. So I'm going to grade it as a loss. But once again, some people got their money back. But pretty much the same story for both episodes. We won the lock, and then we ended up losing the dog. So better than, of course, losing everything. But I did want to get at least one sweep out of those two episodes. That's going to do it for the recap, though. Time to actually get into the, uh, I'd say, overall takeaways from the first couple rounds of both Dallas and Marseille. I'm going to start off with a broken record. A bunch of veterans lost again. And it seems like the end of their careers are approaching. Murray lost again to Makic. Schwartzman lost to a guy making his ATP debut in three sets. And Gasquet did end up losing to Batista Agut. So turn off the lights. The party's over. Their careers are, as far as I'm concerned, cooked. Schwartzman was one of our favorite auto fades last year, who was objectively terrible for the entire season. And I know that he ended up making it a war. It went to three sets, was competitive. He was on the verge of getting curb stomped before he ended up kind of uh, getting back on track there in the second set. It looked like he was going to get buried, made the second set interesting, actually won it, and then lost in three. But the point is, Schwartzman's been a mess for a year and change. Murray's been a laughing stock, and Gasquet is probably the closest to retiring out of all three of those guys. Gasquet's probably going to retire around the French Open because he just can't move anymore. And you can tell by watching the actual rallies, he can't move laterally. If you push him side to side, you win the point automatically. And I do think that Gasquet is going to be on his last couple of tournaments before officially wrapping up a very nice career for himself. But I wanted to mention it because the veterans keep losing. And all three of those guys might be in auto-fade territory. Schwartzman looked okay at times, but based on last year as well, the fade is probably going to continue into 2024. Murray can't win a match, lose to Benoit Pair. Uh, that kind of sums it all up for me. And Gasquet, once again, can't move. So that's going to be a fade as well. Uh, but I wanted to mention it as one of the main takeaways. The veterans keep losing, and I got to bring it up. Now, as for the younger guys who underachieved in particularly the matches on a Thursday, New Year, same Felix and same Corda, because they both looked very bad in their matches in the uh, round of 16. Now, Corda has a bit of an excuse because he was against Dimitrov, who was a decent favorite in that match. Uh, but he lost the first at 6-1. Looked like he was going to get killed in the match. They made it interesting. Actually led in the tiebreak in the second set and then ended up blowing it as Dimitrov won in straight sets. Felix was roughly a minus 400 favorite against Zhang. And he got, I don't want to say buried, but it was ugly. He lost 6-4, 6-4. So Felix... Despite the good hardcore indoor record and Corda being, according to his own mind, one of the favorites to win Wimbledon from about a year or two ago, has been a mess. Corda especially. He's been very underwhelming. It's why I'm very anti-Corda, and I think that he's a very overrated player. Felix and Corda, though, I don't know if they know each other. They would be best friends, if you judge them based on how they play. No mental toughness at all. A lot of talent. A lot of good attributes. Doesn't matter. They always fall short. But I wanted to mention that. Now we'll get into some actual detailed uh, breakdowns of some matches here for the round of 16, both in Dallas and in Marseille. Starting off with, we'll go with Marseille first because that happened in chronological order. Uh, you had Fakina having a nice win against Rusevori in straight sets. He was a dog in that match. Good job by him. Zhang ended up beating Felix. I mentioned it before. Dimitrov beat Korda. So those two I just mentioned. You saw her catch Barry Shevchenko, 6-1-6-4, as he kind of broke Shevchenko with ease throughout the entire match. And her catch just really 
destroyed him. It was 5 nothing immediately in the first set. Thought it might be a bagel. And instead, you ended up seeing Shevchenko win a game. But her catch was on full uh, cruise control in his title defense, his first match there. And he got the job done. And you had an upset. As one of our outrights ended up losing, you had Oheshka losing to Rinderknecht, where you thought Rinderknecht was going to win easily as he won the first set 7-5, then had a match point late in the second set, blew it, got broken, then it went to a breaker, and you ended up seeing Rinderknecht do enough to win the breaker 7-5. So one common uh, theme I mentioned in a second was the lack of drama in matches on Thursday because you saw... Uh, Kepfer winning straight sets against Hichikata. You saw Thompson win 6-1, 6-1 against Kudla. Kind of forgot Kudla was still on the tour, to be honest. And ended up seeing Tiafo beat Mickelson 6-4, 6-3. Got off to a bad start, was down to break early, and then it was uh, just full domination by Tiafo from that point forward. But you only had uh, eight matches out of those two tournaments because you ended up having one match not take place because Nishioka got injured. Unfortunate, he's had injury issues in the past, and Manorino did get a bye as he got a walkover into the quarterfinals. So as for the actual outrights, we ended up having her catch to win the event. He's the favorite still, won easily. Hopefully that gets there. Laheshka did not, so see you later to him. As for Dallas, we ended up giving out uh, Manorino, who's still alive, and Shelton, who's still alive, and Paul who's still alive. So, so far, Dallas is going well, and hopefully that carries into the remaining rounds. But the main takeaway from the Thursday match is no drama, because including the only match that got completed in Cordoba, yes, I know the Hanfin match was in the middle of the third set when the rain stopped it, but for all of the completed matches, all uh, nine of them, every single one ended in straight sets. So no drama whatsoever. Uh, the guy who won the first set just continued to dominate the match, and hopefully get more drama here in the Friday slate, but that's basically going to do it for the actual recap. Nothing more to add. I mentioned the overlying themes here. The older players keep losing, and you ended up seeing Felix and Corda lose again. I tried to give Felix a shot. I really did. I can't do it to myself. Like, I've tried. I tried to turn a new leaf, a new year, new me, all that BS, but I thought maybe I could show a little bit of sympathy, and Dimitrov won me over, so it is possible to remove yourself from the the list, so to speak. Uh, shout out to Y2J. Uh, but the point is, I have to add Felix back to the list. I can't trust him anymore. I just can't give him out. And I do think Cordo has already been on the list, but he's going to remain there. So that's going to do it for the actual recap. Now it's time for the actual previews for the round of 16 matches. I'm sorry, for the uh, quarterfinal matches in Marseille and in Dallas. I'm going to do Marseille first, but... I do want to at least mention we are missing a couple of lines in Dallas. It is why this episode is coming out so late. I was hoping, especially with Manorino not playing because of a walkover, the final two quarterfinal matches odds would be posted in Dallas, and they just wouldn't post the damn odds. I was waiting for a couple hours. Didn't happen. I got fed up with it. So instead, I'm going to cover those two matches, specifically the uh, Tiafo giron match and the manorino Duckworth match. I'm going to cover those with no odds. So we're going to have to try to get creative. It is what it is, but I really don't have a choice and I couldn't keep waiting. So we are going to use that as our, uh, I'd say, main area of attack here. We're going to go through Marseille first. We have the lines on all those matches. Then we'll get into Dallas. Then we'll end up doing another break and then we'll do a lock and dog pick at the end of the show. But before we get into any of the actual previews for the quarterfinal matches, I want to take another quick word from our sponsor. 
Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into $200 instantly in bonus bets. You can currently find the Super Bowl lines available on DraftKings. The Chiefs are plus 2 and the Niners are minus 2. The over-under is set at 47.5. Should be a fun game, and hopefully you make some money betting on it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SGP. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of, of Super Bowl 58 with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit CCPG. Org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to plug inside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Still be higher or lower on your favorite fantasy players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win 100 times your money with some spicy plays. Watch along, maybe make a little money and make some picks over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first spot up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through some recap stuff for the round of 16 in Marseille and in Dallas. Now it's time to get into the actual previews for the upcoming matches for Friday. We're going to start off in Marseille, and we're going to look in chronological order at the first match on the card. We're going to look at a matchup between Umber and Davidovich Vakina. And Umber is a slight favorite here of around minus 157. Vakina is around plus 137. And the over-under is set at about 22 and a half. To go through some other lines here, you can find the uh, game spread. Umber minus 2.5 is minus 110. Uh, Fakina plus 2.5 is minus 110 as well. If you want to go for some set wagering, Umber in straight sets is plus 165. Uh, Fakina to win a set is minus 205. If you want Fakina to win straight sets, you can't get that at plus 325. And the over 2.5 sets is at plus 130. Now to go through the path of both players, Umber had a bit of a scare early on as Gaston kind of had him on the ropes there as he was down a set. And I believe he was also down a break in the third set, but he ended up coming back and winning. So the point is, Umber looked very sharp as the match went on, but it wasn't exactly easy for him. And you saw Fakina look pretty good in the first couple rounds, ended up having to come back from a set down against Barreri as he got the job done, or uh, Barrera, I mean, in three. Then he ended up beating Rusevori as a dog in the last match. But the point is, I do think even though Umber has the home court advantage, I have to point out that Fakina is 2 and one lifetime against Umber. Now, they faced off in Montpierre last year, so Fakina's already beaten Umber in, uh, on French soil, but that's a little bit of an asterisk near it because you ended up seeing Umber retire after losing the second set via tiebreak, so the match wasn't fully completed. It was tied to set a piece, and then Umber got injured and could not continue, uh, but you're looking at the two previous meetings. They were on clay in 2018 and in 2021, so the most recent meeting was close. It went to three sets, or was supposed to, and then Umber ended up retiring. I think it's going to be a war. Simply put, I probably would have included this match in my lock and dog picks, but since it is two in the morning, I decided not to. 
to uh, make sure all of you who are waking up in the morning trying to watch this weren't going to miss the lock. So I did like the over quite a bit in this match. I like the over in sets as well. I think it's going to be a very close match. I think I have to link to Fakina in the spot. Umber might get the job done, but I really don't see much value in the favorite. I do think it's going to be a very, very close match. Very competitive. Fakina's a head case. We know this, but he's still very talented. And I do think this match can come down to the wire. So I am going to lean to the over 22 and a half games, the over two and a half sets as well at about plus 130. And I do think Fakina is pretty live to win this thing. So for me, I'm going to lean to Fakina to get the job done and pull off the upset as we'll see another Frenchman lose before reaching the semifinals. As for the next match, you have a matchup between Makic and Hercatch. Makic quietly been pretty good over the last uh, couple of weeks. Had a decent run there in Australia. Probably should have beaten Kashanov if he convert a break point, but he couldn't do it in that match. And you saw Hercatch, who's been really good so far this year, lost in five sets to Medvedev in uh, the Australian Open. And he arguably could have won that match, but he fell a bit short. And then he ended up dominating Shevchenko in the first round or the first match of this event. But Hercatch is the defending champion, and he's priced accordingly. This is a minus 244 favorite. You see Makic at around plus 204 for the spread. Hercatch minus uh, three games even money. Makic plus three is minus 120. Over under in games is set at 23 and a half. The over is minus 106. The under is minus 114. If you want the Alternative over, you can get that at 24 and a half. The over is minus 110. The under is a minus 120. If you want the set wagering, her catch in straight sets is plus 125. Makic to win a set is minus 155. And if you want the alternative, uh, you, uh, you could also get over two and a half sets at plus 130. And you can't get Makic to win in straight sets at plus 450. Now, Makic, as I said before, has been in good form so far this season, but her catch is clearly the better player. It's why he's a top 10 player in the world. It's why he is really just a threat on any hardcore because he's easily the best server remaining on tour, especially in the post-Isner era where Opelka's injured all the time. I know that Shelton's a good server, but you're looking at the ace numbers from last year. Her catch was so far ahead of everyone else. So I do think the server is going to play a factor for both guys in this match. But I do think looking at the head-to-head, they've never faced off against each other. Makic has won uh, two matches here, beat Murray in a competitive straight sets, and ended up beating Musetti very comfortably, 6-3, 6-2. As for her catch, he buried uh, Shevchenko. This match should be fun. The problem is this game totals at 23.5 instead of 22.5 because I can really see a 7-6, 6-4 final in favor of her catch. I think he's going to win this match. It's going to be close, but I have to back the defending champion after such a good showing against Shevchenko, who's been very kind to us with our bankroll, but the point is Shevchenko can be a bit feisty and a bit uh, of a pretty solid underdog on occasion. But the point is, I do think Hercatch didn't get the job done. Magic, I just question if he'll be able to convert enough on the big points. Hercatch, I just think his game is well-suited to the courts here, and I think it's going to end up resulting in a win. Might be straight sets, might go three. Uh, but the point is, I would really love the over 22 and a half, but I can't get away with that. So I'm not going to have to, I really can't give that out. I think I'm going to lean to her catch on the team total. I'm going to lean to him over 13 games at minus 120. Of course, a 7 6 4, uh, six, four is a push. So it is what it is. I do expect to see probably 175 or 176 uh, set. So the point is, her catch can get there if he wins in straight sets, two breakers, or a 7-5-7-5, or maybe you get three sets with Hercatch winning, or maybe losing. You can still get there. But I see a close match, a lot of holds, and I do think because of that, 
Hercats will have to win seven games in a set at some point, or maybe he'll go three. So I do think that the over for the team total on Hercats games here is worth consideration at 13. Moving on to the next match, you have another decent favorite here as Kashanov is around minus 275 and Zhang is around plus 230. The over-under is set at 22 and a half games. And for the game spread, Kashanov is between two and a half at minus 155 and three and a half at plus 105. Zhang plus three and a half is minus 125, and Zhang plus two and a half games is plus 125. As for the over in sets, the over two and a half sets is plus 155. Kashanov in straight sets is available at minus 105. Zhang to win a set is minus 125. Now, to go through the path of both players, you saw Zhang look really good against uh, Felix after having a hard time against Zepieri in the first round. While Kashanov absolutely curb stomped Batista Agut as he won that comfortably. I've called Batista Agut past his prime for about a year and change. It's definitely fortunate on his behalf that he got to face off against a guy who's closer to retirement than him in the first round as Gasquet was a competitive match, and Gasquet is not very good. So Batista Agut had no chance, and Kashanov killed him in his first match after the Australian Open. Zhang, though, once again, has been in good form recently, despite the disaster in the Davis Cup, where he lost to a guy ranked in the 1,000s. But the point is, I do think that Zhang can make this interesting. A lot of really powerful forehands from both guys. Kashanov's the better player, just simply put. Now, you can argue Zhang, maybe on the indoor hard courts, can find enough firepower to hit past Kashanov. I don't see it. I think Kashanov is a little bit too consistent. In my opinion, I think that he's going to wear down Jang over these rallies. Maybe it'll go three, but I do think it's going to be a competitive match either way. I think I am going to lean to Kashanov, though, on the games here, probably at about two and a half or so. I just think he's the better player. I think he'll break Zhang more, and I do think that his consistency is what separates him from Felix. Felix is a guy that has a lot of talent, but mentally he's not fully there in terms of toughness. Kashanov is for the most part. He has a couple of slip-ups like most players, but for the most part, he's been very good and consistent, and I do think he'll get the job done. It's going to be close, maybe a tiebreaker, but give me a competitive... 6-4, maybe a 7-6, 6-4, something like that. So the total can be close either way, but I am willing to Kashanov in the spot to get it done. I'll lean straight sets, nothing tangible though, nothing that I'm really rushing to get to the window with. I am going to lean to the two and a half games though. Bit juicy at about minus 150, minus 155, but I think I'll get the job done in this match. And now for the last match of the Marseille quarterfinals, time to talk about Dimitrov taking on Rinderknich, and he had a nice win there against Leheshka. Uh, but you're looking at Dimitrov being a big favorite, a minus 340. You have Rinderknich at around plus 285. As for the game spread, Dimitrov minus 4 is plus 102. Rinderknich plus 4 is minus 122. As for the over-under, 22 and a half. Uh, the, the, uh, it's even money on the over. The under is minus 120. If you want to go for the set wagering, you can get over 2.5 sets at plus 160. Dimitrov in straight sets is minus 120. Rinderknich to win a set is minus 110. Now, Rinderknich does have the home country advantage, so the crowd will be supporting him. Dimitrov, though, is a well-liked guy, and uh, kudos to him uh, for taking a photo with that disabled fan uh, after his match against Korda on Thursday. Classy move there. Thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but the point is, I do think that Dimitrov has a pretty decent following anyway. Most will be on Rinderknich uh, based on just the overall country loyalty. Uh, they faced off one time in their careers, faced off in London last year, and Dimitrov did win in straight sets 6-3, 7-5.
Does it mean anything? Not at all. He's on grass. means nothing. Uh, but I do think Dimitrov probably wins in straight sets. You might see a competitive match, maybe a breaker, but I do think Dimitrov's a better player by a pretty wide margin. Laheshko won a title. That's why we backed him for this event. I believe he won in Auckland. But the point is, we just didn't really trust... Or no, was it Adelaide? I think he won Adelaide. That's what I meant. Uh, so we thought after Laheshko won a title, maybe mentally, the toughness would be a bit more present, and it wasn't. We've called Laheshka mentally fragile at times. I thought he might have been able to break through that type of flaw. Not the case. And I do think that Rinder Knitch, once again, good showing by him to make it up to this point. But Dimitrov's a better player. I just think that the firepower he has on both wings, his ability to charge the net, his ability to use the slice, just so much variety in his game. And he's been great so far in 2024. Yes, you were kind of hoping for a better showing in the Australian Open. Uh, losing to Borges was not anticipated at all, but he's been good. He won an ATP title for the first time in about five years. So I think Dimitrov gets it done. Probably in straight sets, might be competitive, but I do think Dimitrov's a better player, and it will show in this Friday match. Now, moving on to Dallas, we have another two matches with lines and then two matches with no lines where I'll probably either guess or just talk about who's favored and if I think the dog has a shot or not. So starting off with the first match on the calendar, you have... Uh, Paul being a favorite against Kepfer. Paul is a pretty decent favorite here of about minus 255, give or take. Uh, Kepfer is around plus 215. As for the game spread, Paul is between 3.5 and 2.5. 2.5 and is minus 155. The 3.5 is minus 102. As for the over-under, 22.5. Over is minus 108. The under is minus 112. You can find the set wagering here. Paul to win in straight sets is plus 110. Kepfer to win a set is minus 140. Over two and a half sets is at plus 140. Now, there's a head-to-head history between these players that is present, but not really worth a damn. So they faced off two times in their careers, both times in 2017. Throw it in the garbage. means absolutely nothing to me. Uh, But Paul was in great form against Daniel. He killed Daniel. He looked incredible in that match. And it seemed like he won every long rally. As for Kepfer, he had two very competitive matches, pretty similar on paper, had a 6-4, 7-6 win against uh, Kovacevic and had a 6-3, 7-6 win against Hichikata. So basically the same scoreline against two guys. Different play styles, though. Kovacevic has a one-handed backhand, a bit more firepower, and Hichikata's more of a rallier. But Paul is much better than those two guys, and I think Tyro Daniel is kind of in the same ballpark as Kempfer, Kempfer, and you saw Paul had no issues in that match. I think Paul wins. Is it a home court advantage? I think that it's going to be a fun match. Maybe you'll see a a 6-4-6-4 type win, but I think Paul's worthy being a favorite here, and I do think he's the better player, not just by ranking, but based on overall talent. The issue is Kepfer is really a baseline rally or two, and Paul's better at it. So you're going to give me a guy that's better at the same exact style of play at minus 255, or in this case for the game spread or the set spread, I think that taking the better guy who excels in the same play style has a lot of value to it. So I'm going to lean to Paul. Once again, maybe a breaker. Kempfer's uh, Kempfer's had a couple of those, but I do think that Paul's better, and it's going to show in this match. Give me Paul, uh, probably on the games and the minus one and a half sets as well. Uh, As for the actual uh, final match with the lines, we have Shelton against Thompson, which might be the match of the day, uh, potentially. I mean, uh, Kashanov, Zhang's pretty good. Hurikaj Makic is pretty good. Umber Fakina is fun, but that's going to be very early in the morning. Uh, But for the sake of Dallas, this is the match to watch, as Shelton is a 
decent favorite here of about minus 219. Thompson is plus 189. The spread here is Shelton minus 2.5 at minus 118. Uh, Thompson plus 2.5 is minus 102. As for the over-under set at 23, you can find some 22 and a half out there at about minus 144 or minus 145, give or take. If you want the sets, uh, the sets you can get the over two and a half sets at uh, plus 130. Shelton winning straight sets is plus 130. Thompson winning a set is minus 160. And if you do want Thompson winning straight sets, you can get that at four to one. Now, this is a matchup we thought we were going to get when we gave out Shelton for the outrights uh, to win the event. Now, Thompson's been really good. I'm not going to take it away from him. He beat a relative unknown uh, in Neff, who he killed. But Neff is an unknown who's ranked in like the 700s, so that really doesn't mean anything. And he beat Kudula, who is still somehow on tour, I guess. But either way, point is not exactly the greatest competition, but he has looked very good in the process. So we'll see if Thompson can step it up a notch against some top-tier competition. Shelton, though, absolutely dominated Momo. It was one of the best service displays I've seen in a while. Shelton in, first of all, just for reference, if you are new to tennis or if you are experienced with tennis, a reminder, three points that you win in a game can get you to deuce. So three. That's all you need, three points. What if I told you in a two-set match, Momo won three return points in the entire match, three return points. It was absolute domination from Shelton serving-wise, and hopefully he can keep it rolling in this matchup. I see a war, simply put. Now, Shelton, I did pick to win the event, so I am picking Shelton to win. But I don't think it's going to be easy. I think that Thompson is very live to make it interesting. Is he going to win the match? I think no. I think Shelton's serve will eventually be too much to handle, and Shelton will find a way to win it, maybe in three. But they faced off two times in their careers. Shelton is 2-0. Both meetings were competitive, as Shelton won the first match in Chicago in 2022, 7-6-6-4, and they faced off in Tokyo last year. Shelton did win, but did lose the first set, as he won in three. So I see a close match, a lot of fun. I don't see much value on, like, the Shelton spread, because I do think that Thompson can hang around. You might get a breaker or two, so I do think you're going to see a lot of holds, a lot of really tense moments, late in sets, but I am going to lean to the over in this match at 23. I see a close match, a fun one. I don't mind the over two and a half sets, but I do think you're going to see a bunch of holds. Maybe you'll take your chances with a tiebreaker or two, but I do think that Thompson can make this match competitive, and he already has done that in the previous two meetings. Give me the over in this one, and I will lean as well uh, to the over two and a half sets at plus 130. Now we get to the weird handicaps because we only have two matches left, and we have no odds on any of them. So we got Tiafo taking on Giron. Tiafo will be a favorite. I'm not sure how big, if I had to guess, probably around minus, I don't even know, like minus 170, minus 180. Pure guess on my part. Giron, though, has actually been good so far in this event as Giron ended up uh, bearing Moreno, who's a relative unknown, and he beat Purcell 6-4-6-3. Tiafo, though, got off to a slow start against Mickelson, then woke up and ended up having a nice win as he won 6-4-6-3. You're looking at the head-to-head. They faced off a couple of times. Tiafo is currently 3-1 and one in the head-to-head. Uh, Giron won the first meeting in Paris back in 2021 in three sets, and Tiafo has dropped no sets since. Faced off in Houston on clay in 2022, Tiafo won 6-4-6-4. Faced off in the U.S. Open that same year, Tiafo won in straight sets, and they faced off in Indian Wells last year, and Tiafo killed them, winning 6-2-6-2. Uh, I do think Tiafo is going to win this match. 
Giron's a pretty interesting player, but Tiafo, once he kind of shook off the cobwebs in the first couple games against Mickelson, he was great. And he made a decent run last year, lost to Wolf. I believe that was in the quarterfinals, I think. But Tiafo's the better player, and he's dominated the head to head recently. I think Tiafo's got too much firepower. I think it's going to be a fun match. Maybe three sets, but I think Tiafo gets it done. Don't really have much more to add. I think Tiafo wins. I don't know what the spread is. Probably around two and a half. I guess I'll lean to Tiafo, but I'm making up lines on the spot. So I'll lean to Tiafo to get it done. I'm not picking an upset in this match. Now, moving on to the last match, you have Manorino taking on Duckworth. Now, Manorino in this one should be a decent favorite because, one, he's a better player, and, B, he did not play on Thursday. So he has some extra potential rest time. Uh, actually, no, because uh, Duckworth beat Eubanks the day prior. So I take it back. They have the same amount of rest time. Uh, but you're looking at Duckworth being a much inferior opponent, in my opinion. Nice win against Eubanks, but I said in the outright episode, I think Eubanks is a very overrated player. I think he had a very nice Cinderella dream run in Wimbledon, and people think he's pretty much really good at tennis, or good, and I don't think he is. I think that he's fine. Pretty good serve and not consistent enough in the rally game. Rally intolerance issues, bunch of unforced errors, and that's kind of the issue that I find with Eubanks' game. But Duckworth did a good job of maintaining his composure and winning in straight sets. Did also beat uh, Shvaja. I might have butchered that pronunciation. Uh, but the point is he did win that one in straight sets as well. So he's been in good form. Manorino has uh, not played a single match here as he ended up having a Davis Cup match and that ended up resulting in a straight set win. Then Nishioka ended up dropping, and Manorino got a, a, a bye, basically, in the first two rounds into the quarterfinals. So Manorino, you could argue, might be a bit rusty having not played since the third, but I am an only to Manorino in the spot, probably in straight sets. There's no odds available. I would consider it. Now, the head-to-head -head was kind of interesting because Manorino did go to five sets against Duckworth in the Australian Open, Back in 2022, Manorino did win in five, but Manorino, we know, is the marathon man. He's willing to lose some sets and then just outlast opponents. Faced off on grass in Stuttgart, and you saw Duckworth win that one in 2021 in straight sets. Faced off on grass again in Newport in 2016, I believe, and Manorino won that one in three sets, all tie breaks. So two grass matches, throw them in the garbage means nothing. They'll throw an open match from about two years ago. Doesn't mean much either. Uh, but I think Manorino wins. I think he's the better player. And I do think that he's very difficult to prepare for. Duckworth, I've never been a big fan of. I think he's fine. But I'm I'm not a big fan of his overall game. I think that he's a pretty generic player. And I think Manorino is going to win. So give Manorino in straight sets in that one. Once again, no odds. I think Manorino will be a decent favorite. So you might have to potentially lay some juice. But it's really tricky to actually give out plays that I like without knowing what the price is going to be. So I am an only to Manorino in straight sets, but nothing that I'm going to lock in right now without knowing the price. That's going to wrap it up for the eight matches that we're going to talk about. Once again, Cordoba not included, so we'll see what happens with Cordoba, and hopefully we can join them into the semifinal episode coming up on uh, either Friday night or Saturday morning. But before we get into the actual lock and dog picks, we're brought to you by the SGP Super Bowl 58 Props Contest. $1,000 winner-take-all prize, free to enter, Pick 58 props for uh, Super Bowl 58. Enter today, uh, sportscampodcast.com slash SB58, or hit the link in the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer -peer social betting is the new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with fair, viable outcomes, and a ton of fun social features that give it the feel 
of a betting social network. Cut offers lower VIG and full customizable odds so you can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to worry about chasing down your money. Social features include group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And they have good rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. And our partners at Cut are giving away $5,000 to the user who refers the most New depositors by the end of the Super Bowl weekend. All you have to do is invite your friends to sign up for Cut via the Invite Friend button on your dashboard and have them deposit before Monday. The user with the most depositor uh, referrals will get $5,000 inside credit automatically added to their accounts next week. Cut is the Peter Bureau social betting platform that's US-based available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. It's KUTT.com. And use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by GameTime. I know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. And it used to be very annoying to actually find a ticketing provider that I could trust. But that changed once I found the Game Time app, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have a lot of great features in the app, including my favorite feature, which is the images of seat views. So I'm sure you've had this happen before. You buy a ticket, you're ready for the event you're about to watch, and then you suddenly realize there's an obstruction, a pole or something in front of you, and you realize that you spent money, your hard-earned money, on a sporting event that you can barely watch because your view's obstructed, that is not going to happen with this feature because it will show you a preview of the exact view you're going to get if you purchase that ticket. So you can definitely avoid those type of disaster situations before spending your hard-earned money on tickets. But they also have a lot of great last-minute ticket deals. Forget plenty of months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And exclusive flash deals for tickets on football, basketball, baseball concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So sign tickets out the stress with game time, download the game time app and create an account. Use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports analytics platform parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet, or in which picks are hot, or uh, which players are hot, and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent. That driven parlays down the Hall of Fame bets app for the HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinal matches in both Dallas and Marseille. Now it is time for the actual picks for the episode, time for the lock and dog picks. Going to start off with a somewhat juicy lock. If you can get it at 23, I don't mind it, but I'm trying to go for wins here. I am going to go with the over in the Shelton and Thompson match at 22 and a half at around minus 144. Once again, 23, I don't mind it. I do think a push is definitely possible in this matchup. But you're looking at the first two meetings. Each of them did have at least 23 games. Shelton only lost three serve points in the entire match against Mo And Thompson, once again, weak competition, I'll admit, but he's not gotten broken yet in this tournament. I do think you're looking at what should be a lot of holes between both guys. Both head-to-head matches were competitive. Thompson's been in good form so far in 2024, with the exception of that really bad Musetti match where he was injured uh, in, I think that was Adelaide. But the point is you're looking at a spot where both guys, I do think, are going to serve well. I think you're going to see a pretty competitive match, and I do think that you're going to end up seeing 
what should be probably at least one breaker in this match. If not, maybe it goes three, like we saw in their last at that meeting, which went three sets. But I am going to go with the over. Give me a competitive and fun match involving a lot of holds. So give me the over as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go. I forgot to mention, by the way, a tiebreaker in the match is around minus 135. So the odds makers are expecting at least one breaker in the match, which bodes well for the over, obviously. So give me the over in this match. For my dog, though, coincidentally, I am going to stick with Marseille. I'm going to stick with a Dallas, I mean. And I am going to go with an American. I am going to go with Tommy Paul to win in straight sets at plus 110. Simply put, both guys have similar play styles. They really love to have long rallies behind the baseline. And I think Paul's better at it. Simply put, Paul has been uh, the guy that I think is once again lacking a lot of firepower, but he has consistency. And I do think that Kempfer is going to struggle to break through in these long rallies. If Paul looks anywhere near as good as he does as he did against uh, Tara Daniel, he'll win in straight sets. He was great against Daniel, simply put. And I kind of grouped Daniel with Kepfer in the actual skill department. So I do think you're looking at Paul having a nice showing here. Kepfer beat two. Okay players in Kovacevic, who's relatively young, and you're looking at Hichikata, who's okay on hardcore, nothing special. But Paul's a much uh, better player than those two, and I do think you're going to end up seeing it look like uh, Paul is the better player throughout this match. Might be close. Maybe you'll get a breaker, but I do think Paul wins in straight sets, and I do like getting plus 110 for that deal, especially with the home court advantage, because Paul is American, so the crowd will be on his side, and I do think that's going to definitely propel him to... Some potential big point wins there. And I do think you're looking at Paul probably threatening in a lot of service games because Kepfer's not a great server. I think you'll see Paul do a good job of outlasting uh, Kepfer either with stamina in long rallies or over the course of these two sets. But plus 110, I think, is a good deal, and I am going to take it. So once again, my picks of the show, the lock is going to be on the over. 22 and a half games in the Shelton and Thompson match at minus 144. If you have 23, I don't mind it. 23 and a half, though. That might be pushing it, but I do think, once again, you're looking at what should be a pretty competitive match. And for my dog, give me Tommy Paul to win in straight sets at plus 110. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. A reminder, we had no Cordoba in this episode because of the rain delay that happened that canceled half the matches or so on Thursday. If Cordoba makes up all the matches on time on Friday, then we'll probably uh, rejoin uh, Cordoba, and we'll talk about them as well. For the semis, we'll see what happens, though. Not going to jinx the weather for them. Uh, But until then, you can find, of course, the podcast here on YouTube or on Spotify or Apple Podcast. A reminder, if you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe and hit the bell for notifications when you know when this uh, show is going to go live. If you are still listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcast, leave a rating and a review or just join us on YouTube at SGPN Tennis Gaming Podcast. But either way, until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.